Good morning. It's good to see all of you this morning. I think I am on. I am on. It's good to see you today. Hope you're doing well. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. Anybody get rained on on the way here? Anybody? All right. And and how can you not? How can you have a sad look on your face when it's rained? It's supposed to rain more, aren't we? Aren't we glad to serve a Lord who? Uh, you know, we sang that song growing up, right? Some of you remember this. He's got the whole world in his hands. And we used to sing about all the people, but you know, the Bible says that uh, you know God is in control of everything. You know, he causes rain to fall on the just and the unjust. There's common grace for all of us, and the Lord um, delights. To take care of what he's created. And we're just so thankful when he does what he does. And we just marvel at him. I want to give you a few um, uh, announcements this morning. First of all, if you're visiting with us, we're so glad that you're here with us this morning. Um, if you wouldn't mind, there's a QR code in the bulletin. And if you, would, uh, if you know how to operate one of those things, then uh, it will take you to an online uh, bulletin. You can scroll down to the bottom and it will. there'll be a place there for you to give us a little bit of information about your visit with us today. We just want to know you were with us. Uh, a few other announcements to make um, this afternoon, and, and you may have smelled it when you came in the door, but uh, after we have our morning worship service, we're going to have Fifth Sunday lunch. And so if you didn't know, that's no worries. Just stay around. There'll be plenty of food. Uh, so don't feel bad about staying if you didn't bring anything. Uh, I'll tell you again, there, there will be plenty of food. So please stay in fellowship with us. Uh, we're also observing the Lord's Supper uh, together during our morning service. Uh, and then tonight at 530, we're going to have fellowship in the fellowship hall. We're going to um, have some chili. And if you're so inclined, I know our family's going to bring a pot of chili encourage you to do that as well. You might think, well, what if, I, what if there's too much chili? Well, we're going to have some cold weather this week, so you're going to have some chili to take home maybe, unless yours is really, really good, and then you may not have any to take home. At any rate, I uh, hope to see you tonight. We'll fellowship over some chili, and then we're also going to watch a movie. The movie's entitled uh, No Vacancy. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of it before. I just Heard of it last night, haven't seen it, don't know much about it other than it's gotten really good reviews. Um, and it's um, got lots of great ratings um, from, from uh, you know, it's got overtly Christian themes in it. So we will enjoy that together. Also, uh, be, please be in prayer for our music minister search committee. In fact, we have a meeting after lunch today and I encourage you to pray for us. Uh, it's Joel Ratliff, uh, Brooke Beck, Denise Woolsey, Mary Catherine Holly. And myself, so pray for us as we continue to go through the search process. One final, uh, two final announcements uh, next week, um, actually a week from tomorrow, uh, on February 6th, the WOW Fellowship, the Women of the Word Fellowship, they're going to be meeting um, and making Valentine's Day cards for the residents of the San Saba and Lano Nursing Homes. And if you would like to be a part of that, um, then you can contact Kayla Forehand at the number there uh, in the bulletin. Uh, it's from 5.30 to 7.30. There will be finger foods provided, so please bring a friend. And today is uh, normally we we carry on our Christmas giving to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. We normally carry it through to January. If you hadn't had an opportunity to uh, give to that yet, there's still time for you to do so. I'm supposing Marsha will send that along to the Southern Baptist Convention next week. But it is, uh, it's good to report that the goal that we had set, we have more than surpassed. We set a goal of $6,500, and we surpassed that by nearly $4,000. And Amen. so praise the Lord for that. Uh, we know that that's going to, that 100% of it goes not to any kind of operating costs or salaries or anything like that. It's going to go to missionary efforts on the field. And so we're so grateful uh, for our church, for, you know, for the heart of giving that our church has. Um, ours is not the only church that has uh, superseded uh, or surpassed its goal, and so we are grateful for that. Uh, do you know of any other announcements that need to be made at this time? Doesn't that sound good? Do y'all hear that? Okay, we're just enjoying the rain for a minute. Okay, all right, Kayla.
Okay. All right. Also might be helpful. Just see me after the service and we'll make sure we get that publicized, uh, Kayla. Anyone else? All right. Once again, it's so good for, for us to all be here together today. Uh, we are, as a church, currently undertaking the audacious goal, task, of committing to memory certain scriptures. Uh, we are on, I think, week four, maybe week five. This is the fifth Sunday, so it would be fifth week. Uh, and so we are going through, I think, Joshua 1.9. Uh, in Second Chronicles, and then this is our third Sunday in uh, Philippians chapter 3. So if you would, please stand as we read this week's memory verse as our call to worship. Um, Kendall, can you put that up on the screen, please, ma'am? Thank you. Let's read this together. Philippians 3, 10, and 11. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Let's worship the Lord together.
children come forward for the children's sermon. what a parable is. Like a, a story? Or, um, well, that is the way that Jesus liked to teach because he helped create us. He helped to design us and he knew that we learn more from hearing a story that, than from l reading really long paragraphs, right? And so he told a lot of stories to teach us. And I want to read part of one of them to you this morning. It says, who among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders and he brings it back home and uh, he's rejoicing. He's very, very happy. So <clears throat> I have a question to ask you. Where's Connor? Where'd he go? Olivia. If Connor wandered off from home and got lost, do you think your parents would just stay home with you and the other kids? Or would they go out looking for Connor? And if they found him and they brought him home, would they be happy? I think they would be. I would be more happy than You would be more happy even than your mom? Probably not. Okay. Okay. So... That was the point that Jesus was making. Now, you have been chosen by God, right? You are a chosen child of his. You are in God's family, right? If you wandered off somewhere away from the flock, let's say that this is the flock, and you wandered off, do you think that God would come looking for you? Yes, he would. And when he found you, he would bring you home, and there would be great rejoicing. In fact, Jesus' parable says that there, was, there would be great rejoicing in heaven. So not only that, the Bible says that God puts a seal on us, kind of like, who knows what this is? What? It's a branding iron. And ranchers, you guys know what this is, right? Um, nowadays, we're more likely to put a, a tag in a cow's ear. But uh, when my grandfather, over 100 years ago, this was his brand. And everybody recognized this shape. This is kind of like a, a little hat. Um, and so if... My grandfather would put this in the fire and get it red hot and he'd brand his cattle. And that, that shape would stay on the, ca on the cow uh, for the rest of its life. And so maybe one of his cows got out and was wandering down the road and Roddy's grandfather, Roddy Maddox's father, would call my grandfather and say, Hey, Alan Walker, one of your cows is wandering down the road, and then they would bring it home, and they would be very happy. Well, God has put his seal on you, and it says you are mine. You belong to me, and I'm never going to let you get lost. Isn't that wonderful? 
doesn't that make you feel secure that God will come looking for you even if you wander away from the flock? Let's pray. Lord, we just praise you this morning. We thank you for the security that we have, that we belong to you, that you will not um, let us wander off when we have put our trust in you. When you have chosen us as your children, we belong to you forever. Father, thank you for loving us that much. We just worship and praise you this morning. I thank you for these precious children, Lord. And I pray that you just call them to you as your very own children. In Jesus' name, amen. Then came the first day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. And Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us so that we may eat it. They said to him, Where do you want us to prepare it? And he said to them, When you have entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house that he enters. And you shall say to the owner of the house, The teacher says to you, where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large furnished upper room. Prepare it there. And they left and found everything just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. When the hour had come, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he said, Take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup, which is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of the one betraying me is with mine on the table. For indeed... The Son of Man is going as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to discuss among this, themselves which of them it might be who is going to do this thing. If you would please stand.
could have our ushers come forward for the offerings. Jared, if you wouldn't mind leading us in a word of prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we do praise you this day, each and every day, Lord, for you are the one true God. We thank you for all your many blessings. Lord, your, your blessings to this church. And Lord, we are here to worship you in, in many ways. And this moment, Lord, we worship you by giving back to you what you have given to us. Lord, we know that you will use it for your glory and for the growth of your kingdom. We pray all this in Christ's name. If you would, please take your copy of God's Word and turn to Romans chapter 8. Can you advance the next slide, please, ma'am? Yeah, oh, previous one. That way. Page 124. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, there's a, a hardback black one somewhere near you. should be in the pew somewhere. If you'll take that and turn to the back of the Bible, find page 124. You will be at Romans chapter 8. I'm a touch under the weather today. Um, I don't know if you've ever been asked by a preacher to pray for him while he's preaching, but I could use it. Um, a voice is a little, is, it's not as strong as it normally is, so uh, we, may, we may be a touch shorter today, but I pray the Lord speaks to our hearts today. Uh, let's stand for the reading of God's Word, please. Kendall, you'll have to advance the slides. I normally do that. But. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 to 39, and this is God's Word. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? 
He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is in, indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the confidence this gives us, uh, not in ourselves, but in you. We pray, God, that as we prepare our hearts to receive the Lord's Supper together. What a, what a joyous time it is uh, to share this meal together, to be reminded that our confidence truly is in Christ Jesus. We pray that you reinforce that in us to, today so that this may be truly for us all a time of joy and thanks and praise. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to ask you a question. Where is your confidence today? I, I've been a Christian long enough to know that very often when we come to times like today where we uh, have the, the glad opportunity to fellowship around the Lord's table together. Now we all know that from, uh, there's, there's a standpoint from which all of us are unworthy to receive this. Um, some of us, I think on days like today, um, we, we feel more unworthy than perhaps others. To the point where we might say, you know, I, I don't know that I should take this today. Now, I want to tell you, there may be a good and perfect reason for you to say, I, 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 don't, I, I shouldn't take this today. There is there's sin in my life that I... That I, if you think of it like a fire, instead of pouring water on it, I'm pouring gas on it and I'm fanning the flames of it. And I want that fire to spread because I like the fire. I like what it gives to me. And so if that's you, then, then yes, obviously, today would not be a good time for you to, to, to take the supper unless today you say, Lord, I, I truly repent. I turn from that. But again, I want to bring back to you this, this question. What, where is your confidence? In, in what are you putting your confidence um, when you take the supper? Now, Paul wants to remind us of the, 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 the rock-solid foundation upon which we derive our confidence as Christians. I want to walk through briefly verses 31 to 39. So I hope you'll leave your Bible open Follow along with me. Paul says in verse 31, it's, it's, it's a number of questions that Paul raises. And the first question is, what then shall we say to these things? Well, as Bible readers, people who study the scripture, wanting to discern what it means, we need to ask a question of Paul's question. What does he mean by the word these things? Commentators have different ideas upon it, but most of them agree that Paul is talking about the things in chapter 8, which I don't know it, about you, but I think chapter 8 of Romans is perhaps the greatest chapter in all of the Bible. If you understood the depths uh, of the things that were there for us, for you as a Christian, uh, your heart would be so full. But Paul talks in verse 8 about the, in chapter 8 about these things. He speaks that about there is, for Christians, no condemnation. He says that Christians are now free 
from the law of sin and death. Because God did what the law could not do. He did that by sending Christ in the likeness of sinful flesh. So that, and that, remember, in the likeness of, Christ was not sinful. But he was sent in the likeness of sinful flesh. So that the sin of all those who believe in Christ may be placed upon Christ. And that that sin might be condemned in his flesh. Paul also speaks of how we, because of Christ, have righteousness. It's an alien righteousness. It's not one that we earned or deserve. It's been given to us by grace. And that righteousness now, uh, and, and Mary Catherine talked about God putting his seal upon us. The seal is the spirit. And when the spirit takes up residence in our life, Paul says we're now able to live according to the spirit. We're able through the Spirit's help, to set our minds on the things of the Spirit. Life is given to us through the Spirit. We're able to put to death the deeds of the body so that we might truly live. We are led by the Spirit of God. We are made sons of God and we receive the Spirit. We're made heirs of God and we are made fellow heirs with our brother, Christ Jesus. And one day, a day that we all look forward to, Paul says that creation groans for the day that the sons of God will be revealed. And that that grounds us in the hope that one day Christ is going to come and God is going to put all things right. All things right. Right now, two of the three persons of the Trinity, the Spirit and the Son, are interceding for you, Christian. We can be assured of God's good working in all things, Paul says. Christians are foreknown. They are predestined to become conformed to the image of God's Son so that we will be like our brother. We're called, we're justified, and we're glorified. Now, that's what Paul means by these things. His question is, what shall we say to these things? What's the conclusion to which we're to arrive? Paul's been leading us there. What is the the conclusion that we're to arrive at? And it's this. If God is for us, and that's not a question of if, it's, it's since. If God is for us and he is, who can be against us? Now, Again, you might think on this day where we're about to take the supper, you, could, you might be able to think of some people who might be against you. They might have a charge they could lay at your feet. It might be quite long. However, those who are against us will not be successful. They cannot ultimately be successful. Paul says, here's why. God... Verse 32, he who did not spare his own son. Paul's arguing from the greater to the lesser. So it stands if if I can bench press 400 pounds, which I cannot, then I should be able to bench 5 pounds. That's the argument that Paul is making here. If God didn't spare his own son, if you have a son... Would you willingly offer your son to be laid down on a cross and crucified for other people? When he's done nothing, it's all them. Would you allow your son to do that? But no, God did. He didn't spare his own son, but he gave him up for us all. Then how will he not, Paul says, also with him graciously give us all things? So the things upon which... These things, verse 31, upon which we base our confidence. Paul says if God has done that, all those things through his son, do you think there's anything he won't withhold for us when we need it? He goes on in verse 33. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Well, let's think again. The list of who shall bring any charge against us may be long. Maybe quite long. In fact, one of the people at the front of the line will be Satan himself. 
You know what they call him in the scriptures? The accuser. And he will accuse and accuse. And oftentimes he accuses us in our minds. So that we say, okay, yeah, I, I think Satan, you're on to something there. This should probably be a reason why I, I'm, not, I'm not like those other Christians who are good all the time. You know, I, I struggle. I have my problems. Paul doesn't want us to believe that. Paul doesn't want us to put our confidence in our own conduct. That doesn't mean we go off the rails and live how we want to. Paul understands that sometimes, and he go to the end of, of chapter 7, he understood his own sinfulness. And if it weren't for Christ Jesus um, doing in us what we could not do for ourselves, then the list of who could bring a charge against us would be long. Paul's point here is that despite the long list of people who may want to bring a charge against us, none of the charges will stick. Why? The end of verse 33. It is God who justifies. It is God who declares God's own elect righteous. He declares them to have the status of having never sinned and having always obeyed. Not on their own basis, but upon the basis of the work of Christ. Christ never sinned. Christ always obeyed. God, because he did not spare his own son, he's able to justify. And that word for justify there is a present active participle. It means that God is, it's not just at one time that God just God's in the business of justifying So if there's a charge that comes to God from the accuser, he will simply point to his son and say, I have justified my elect. Verse 34 says, who is to condemn? That word for condemn simply means to pass sentence. Who will pass a sentence against God's Elect. He doesn't, doesn't put that in there, but I've added that to the text for clarity. Who is to condemn God's elect? Who will pass a sentence? The answer to that is that Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus is the one who died. He was the one who was condemned. More than that, who was raised. And the raising of Christ shows that there is no more condemnation for those who are in him. That's what verse 1 says. But our hearts will try to condemn us, will they not? John the Apostle in chapter 1 of his letter, verse, I'm sorry, chapter 3, verse 20, 1 John. He says, by this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Christ was condemned and he was raised to show that there is no more condemnation for those who are in him. Jesus won't condemn us. He is, as Paul says, at the right hand, verse 34, of God and is interceding for us. John chapter 8, verse 10 and 11, the story of the woman caught in adultery. Now Jesus uh, the, 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 these religious leaders brought this woman before Christ, and, and he starts, you know, he stoops down and starts writing in the in the dirt. We don't know what he wrote, but he stood up and he said to these men who wanted to stone this woman for her adultery in accordance with the law. He said, "Those of you who have no sin, then feel free to cast the first stone." And it says, one by one, everyone left, and it was only Christ Jesus in this woman. And what did he say to her? Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go from now on, sin no more. Now, we know that that woman couldn't have lived a perfect life, but in other translations it says, Go and leave your life of sin. We can leave our life of sin because of Christ Jesus. Because he was condemned. Because he was raised. And he is at the right hand of God interceding for us. In verse 35, Paul asks another question. Who shall separate us? Who shall put distance between us and the love of Christ? He says, shall tribulation 
or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. These are things that are visible. Now I want you to notice in verse 35, Paul asked the question, who shall separate us? But then he doesn't list any who's. He lists what's. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword. This reminds us that things aren't just happening by chance in this world. There is a cause for things happening in this world. Nothing passes on to you unless it passes through the sovereign hand of Almighty God. And so we can answer the question, so if God sell, if he if he allows things to pass through his hand like tribulation, distress, persecution, or he even allows Satan to bring into our lives famine, nakedness, danger or sword, is it cause for us to believe that we are now separated from the love of God? Paul says, "No." He says that very emphatically in verse 37. "No." We'll come back to that in a moment. So while we are under the influence of this tribulation, distress, and so on, Paul says in verse 36, he he, he, uh, quotes from Psalm 44, verses 17 to 22. And I'm going to read this section. It says, All this has come upon us, though we have not forgotten you, and we have not been false to your covenant. Our heart is not turned back, nor have our steps departed from your way. Yet you have broken us in the place of jackals and covered us with the shadow of death. If we had forgotten the name of our God or spread out our hands to a foreign God, would not God discover this? You understand? Paul's talking about people who they're they're being true to the covenant. They're, They're faithfully walking with God. Yet, verse 22 says, For your sake we're killed all the day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. We're not promised in this life. There's a lot of prosperity gospel preachers out there who want you to know that if you come to Christ and you give that money and you say the right prayers and you believe the right things, there'll be no problems in your life. And therefore, you're experiencing the love and the blessing of God. Are there problems in your life right now? Doesn't mean that you are being separated from the love of God. No, Paul says. Those things don't separate us. No, in fact, he says, verse 37, in all these things we're more than conquerors. We're more than conquerors through him who loved us, through Christ, through his sacrifice on the cross. Why do we, do we believe in all these things we more than conquer? Romans 8, 28. And we know for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. We know that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. Because God will use the very things that Satan wants to bring against us for his glory. That we might depend more on him and love him more and feel his presence more. So that not only can these things they may take our life, they may, they may deprive us of many things, but they will not dr- deprive us of the conquering joy that we have in Christ. Paul says in verse 38, For I am sure, I'm sure, I'm convinced. This is a, 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 a perfect passive. Paul says, I have been convinced in the past, and that hasn't changed. Long ago, I understood this truth, and it's true today, and I stake my life on it. I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor present things, or things to come, nor powers, things that can be, that are invisible, whereas tribulation, distress, persecution, and so on, those are visible. It says, I don't care if it's visible or invisible, if it's in heaven or it's on earth, or in the heavens, as in not in this earthly realm. But there's nothing there that can separate us, verse 35, from the love of Christ, nor can any of these invisible things, height, depth, verse 39, or anything else in all creation, none of that can put distance, can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friend, where is your confidence today? I hope 
that in this short time that we've looked at this, and again, I urge you, read this chapter over and over and over. It will fill your soul. It will feel like God is pouring concrete into the foundation of your soul. Friend, where's your confidence? You want to know where your confidence is? Then read you notice that Paul says what then shall we say he uses we and us and I in other words he's talking about the church Christians you want to test your confidence then look at then read this scripture and say what then shall I say to these things if God is for me who can be against me He didn't spare his own son, but gave him up for me. How will he not also along with him graciously give me all things? And if there's something that catches in your heart, that can't be, then maybe your confidence is in your own works. You know what we unequivocally declare today when we take this? Is that our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood. And righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but I wholly lean on Jesus' name. Let's pray together. Father, these words, oh, how they can be a salve to a weary soul. Lord, you know that we get beat down spiritually, our hearts ache. Sometimes we feel as if there is distance between us and you. Questions are raised in our mind. And we listen to our own questions. And our confidence can be a little shaky. Lord, help us today to realize that the things that shake our confidence, they never shake what you have done for us in Christ. will never change a thing. Lord, as we partake of this supper today, we pray that our hearts would just be filled with the joy of knowing that all of these things we just read about are true of us if we are in Christ. And for those who don't know Christ, we pray, God, that they would understand The reason that we remember the broken body and the shed blood of Christ is because apart from the shedding of your son, your perfect son's blood, there would be no forgiveness of sin for us. Lord, convict of sin. Bring folks to an an urgent understanding of their need for Christ. And may they turn from their sin and place their faith and trust in him today. In Christ's name, amen. Let's stand. We're going to sing, My Jesus, I Love Thee. Give you a few verses, maybe more, to to declare your love for Christ Jesus as we sing together.
may be seated. We can have our deacons come forward at this time, those who are serving. Uh, we are going to partake of the Lord's Supper together. Uh, before we do, I want to do something that um, is, is commonly known as fencing the table. Now, what that means is, is I just want to make sure that there's a clear understanding of who can participate in, in this. Uh, if you have not placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ um, for um, the forgiveness of sin, if you have not done that, then, and, and then you are considered, it's this Bible terms, you're lost. You're separated from God um, and, and are currently under his wrath. And, and I'm not trying to be rude or anything like that. I'm just using what the Bible says. So if you have not turned from your sin, placed your faith and trust in Christ Jesus, um, then, then you, I'm sorry, you, won't, you don't need to take this today. Uh, the Bible says you actually can bring condemnation on yourself. As I mentioned earlier, if you're someone who are, you're not struggling against sin, you're giving into it, and even today, um, despite uh, you know the, the preaching of the word, um, you still are hanging on to it. You need to let this go by because the scripture says that you can eat and drink condemnation upon yourself. Um, but if, even if you're not a member of our church, um, if you have uh, received Christ Jesus as Savior and Lord, uh, then the table is open to you. Uh, moms and dads, I realize that it may be, you, you may want to give the, the supper to your kids if they haven't received Christ as their Savior and Lord. Use this as an opportunity to talk to them about what this means, but just let the supper pass from them. And we'll pray for that day when, when they get to celebrate the supper themselves. Uh, before we receive the bread together, Jack, would you lead us in a word of prayer?
we're waiting on one person to come back in. Did everyone get a piece of bread? Paul records in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Before we receive the cup together, Brandon, would you lead us in a word of prayer, please? everyone get a cup we're waiting on Brandon to come back
Paul continues in 1 Corinthians 11 and says, In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Paul says in verse 26, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Before we close, I want to remind you that we are having lunch. Please stay. Even if you didn't bring anything, um, you're more than welcome to stay. Plenty of food. Uh, But would you please stand, and we're going to sing the doxology together and be dismissed. (laughs) 